Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Uh, as always, we have a lot of ground to cover today, and um, I wish sometimes as we begin that I could do this every day. And speaking of that, we would like to welcome someone new to the realm of local talk shows over on uh, Capital Public Radio on KXJZ and uh, the affiliated stations. Jeffrey Callison has commenced a daily program dealing with local issues in what I'm sure will be a stimulating way. That'll be on every day at uh, 2 o'clock. Not to step on the toes of any of our own fine people here at uh, KDVS who are producing some great programming for you every day, like like today with uh, with uh, Heather Klinger. We've been previously able to get uh, local programming um, through KQIE, the KQED affiliate, but it's good to have something similar now being broadcast on Capital Public Radio, and we say welcome to Jeffrey Callison and the new program, Insight. Now, in terms of some other people out there we should mention, on today's program, we have some very interesting guests for you. We'll be joined by Trina Ray. Trina Ray is an astronomer. She's affiliated with the Pasadena's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and she'll be talking with us in our second segment today about the spectacular success of NASA's Cassini mission, currently in orbit around the planet Saturn. We, of course, always enjoy bringing local talent, meaning people associated with uh, this fine institution, this this university. And in our third segment, we'll have a brief talk with someone we expect to be speaking to regularly on this show, Dr. Howard McKinney of the Department of Pharmacy over at uh, UC Davis's Sacramento Medical Center. And we'll also hear from our good friend, Gary Chu, a little bit later. Now, amazingly enough, it appears that Radio Parallax next week will actually have a correspondent on the ground at, in Boston for the Democratic National Convention, Tom Burka, he of www.tomburka.com, one of the funniest bloggers we know about, uh, will be will be giving us a report as to what he is seeing and hearing uh, back in uh, in the Bay State next week. And yes, that is his website, www.tomburka.com. If you want a good laugh. I would highly recommend you go check it out. All right, speaking of good laughs, we like to start the program off with a few, and sometimes we don't get around to that. I think that's a darn shame. We're going to make up that deficiency today. I would like to cite David Letterman's recent top 10 list. Top 10 George W. Bush complaints about the movie Fahrenheit 911. <laughs> Number 10, that actor who played the president, totally unconvincing. <laughs> Number 9, It oversimplified the way I stole the election. (laughs) Number eight, too many of them fancy college boy words. Number seven, if Michael Moore had waited a few more months, he could have included the part where I get him deported. Number six, 
didn't have one of them hilarious monkeys who smoke cigarettes and gives people the finger. Number five, of all Michael Moore's accusations, only 97% are true. Number four, not sure. I passed out after a piece of popcorn lodged in my windpipe. Number three, where the hell was Spider-Man? Number two, <laughs> top 10 Georgia W. Bush complained about Fahrenheit 911. Number two, couldn't hear most of the movie over Chady's foul mouth. And number one, I thought this was supposed to be about dodgeball. And uh, for those of you who, who didn't know, in the, the last punchline, uh, that's a new Ben Stiller movie out there, Dodgeball, which um, I intend to studiously avoid. And I must say, I did some reading of, of reviews for Anchorman, which we touted two weeks ago on the program. And, uh, you know, I'm really amazed at the high quality of the reviews it got for such a dreadful, dreadful movie. With all due respect to Darcy Donovan, who is lovely in the film and we expect to bring back on again. It's not her fault. All right, other media adventures. Uh, the annual Bulwer-Lytton Fiction Contest was, uh, was held last week in San Jose, California. It's uh, held every year under the auspices of Cal State University San Jose, which, by the way, as an aside, is where both my parents went to college. Scott Rice is a professor at San Jose State University. He started the contest in 1982, basing it on the opening line of the Victorian novel Paul Clifford, which opens up with, It was a dark and stormy night. I think Dr. Andy knows these people. We're going to have to run down a story. But I remember when Peanuts, when Snoopy opened a novel with that line. And I'm wondering whether Scott Rice took that from Charles Schultz or whether Charles Schultz took that from Scott Rice. We're going to find out. But anyway, they had a pretty pretty good winner uh, of this year's contest. Dave Zobel, 42, a Manhattan Beach software development director, whatever that is, and author of Dave Zobel's Bent Book of Boat Speak, How to Sound Like a Sailor and Know Just Enough to Be Dangerous, best of thousands of metaphor-mangling, simile-slaying writers from Hong Kong to Bolivia with the following... And this is very topical. She resolved to end the love affair with Ramon tonight, summarily, like Martha Stewart ripping the sand vein out of a shrimp's tail, though the term love affair now struck her as a ridiculous euphemism, not unlike sand vein, which is, after all, an intestine, not a vein, and that tarry substance inside certainly isn't sand. And that brought her back to Ramon, You know, uh, to make, that's a bit of a run-on sentence, but they have to allow you a bit of leeway when you're going to put together a truly, truly memorably horrible opening to a, to a, um, a novel. We, uh, we, like, we, we like this contest very much. We have cited some of the, uh, the best examples of the past pros, and, and by God, I think we should get Scott Rice on the program. Anyway, stay tuned. My sound man thinks that uh, those Peanuts cartoons do predate the contest. So my, my, I'm betting on the fact that Charles Schultz thought of it first and Scott Rice took the idea from him. All right, let's hear from our, our good friend Dave Barry. And, and I say good friend because when I met Mr. Barry in Santa Rosa um, a couple years ago, I mentioned that we, we, we do like to occasionally read his columns on the air. He said, I don't care. So therefore, with Dave Barry's permission, excerpts from a recent column titled Scaling Back, 
Dave Barry. I recently had a terrifying experience. It was exactly like a scene from a horror movie. Doors slamming by themselves, blood dripping from the ceiling. But the actors were such morons that they stay in the house anyway. Well, with these old homes, they tell each other, you're going to have a certain amount of ceiling blood. <laughs> and of course, something terrible happens to them, such as being sucked down to hell by the demon toilet. And as the last of their body parts disappear in a counterclockwise direction, you, the movie viewer, chew your popcorn and think, well, they deserved it. And I can't help but citing a cartoon, which doesn't always translate into radio very well, but a Mike Lukovich cartoon showing Saddam Hussein in the dock at his trial beneath the stern judge, addressing the jury and saying, well, the torture was caused by a few bad apples. And we got a showstopper of a good quote from Mr. Bob Park. Mr. Park is the editor of the American Physical Society's What's New newsletter. Commenting on the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee's decision to deploy the missile system that they're so fond of without independent tests to prove that it works, he said, quote, This is perfectly reasonable since a non-working missile defense shield should be sufficient to deter a non-existent threat from Iran or North Korea. All right, I wish I could find a, a punchline in the next couple items, which I think I should bring to you. According to the United States Federal Reserve, American household debt today amounts to 110% of after-tax income, which is up from 80% in 1993. Leveraged real estate holdings account for part of that debt. Owners' equity in their homes today averages 55%, down from 80% in the 1950s. You students, mm, be careful about that, eh? All right, an item here also from the Washington Post. They did a study at uh, Pittsburgh's Carnegie Mellon University with 200 volunteers regarding shopping. They were shown three movie clips, a sad one, a disgusting one, or one that was deemed neutral. Participants were then placed in groups and uh, turned loose shopping in the marketplace. And apparently people who watched the neutral clip behaved rationally and they followed the usual marketplace rules. But in the disgusted group, sellers lowered their prices dramatically as if they couldn't wait to get rid of their goods. But what's really curious is that people playing the buyers in this exercise, um, the ones who watched the sad film clip, were willing to pay far more for goods than sellers were charging. Uh, the theory here is that uh, people are eager to change their circumstances and that that translates into reckless spending in the shopping mall. So, the moral of the story is, if you're feeling sad and depressed, you may want to postpone that shopping spree. All right, let's do a few more miscellaneous items. I'm having fun with this today. Uh, according to the Nigerian government, it, had is it now... It has now arrested more than 500 suspected con artists for sending the ubiquitous emails that promise a share in recovering fortunes in exchange for an advance fee. They claim that more than $500 million in loot was recovered. Knowing what little I do about the Nigerian government, let's just say I'm extremely skeptical that any, uh, there'll be any dent in the number of emails arriving from Nigeria anytime soon. Now, there's no way we can go through a, uh, a news segment without talking about Campaign 2004. And I don't know if you noticed this item, but uh, conservatives have introduced W. Ketchup to give supporters of President Bush an alternative to 
Heinz ketchup. Carrie, of course, is married to Teresa Heinz, heir to the Heinz fortune. You don't support Democrats, says the W motto. Why should your ketchup? Yeah, put some of those on your freedom fries sometime soon. I don't know if you caught the fact that uh, that Project Billboard, which is an, an anti-war group, wanted to purchase a um, some billboard space in New York City to uh, coincide with the Republican National Convention. They wanted to put up a sign that said, Democracy's best taught by example, not by war. Well, Clear Channel said its billboard space was unavailable unless the group replaced the bomb they had on the original with a girl waving a flag and removed the second half of the sentence. In other words, comma, not by war. Have you noticed, by the way, that a lot of these demonstrations that are, that are now, uh, you know, sprouting up here and there for one thing or another are being channeled to an area far away from the action where they're called free speech areas. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was under the impression that the entire nation was a free speech area. I don't know. I, have to, I guess I have to go back and reread my constitution. And speaking of the U.S. Constitution, uh, we've talked about this in, in, on last week's show. We're stuck with the Electoral College for the foreseeable future. Um, I, I used to defend the Electoral College, thinking it was tougher to steal an election with it in place. That was the intent of the Founding Fathers originally, um, well, among other reasons. But certainly making it more difficult to go precinct by precinct and, and throw the election was thought to be a good thing. Well, it didn't pan out so well in the year 2000. But I would again recommend that you go to www.mockelection.org or 270towin.com where you will find interactive electoral college maps. I ran the numbers yesterday in the wake of some of the latest polls. And if you go to Google and do state-by-state electoral or look up tripias.com, T-R-I-P-I-A-S, you will get the latest poll information. And it's rather astounding how well Kerry is running in a lot of these swing states. In fact, the way it looks right now, Kerry seems to have uh, about 300 electoral votes in the bag, about 30 more than he needs, based on the latest information. This is, this is surprisingly bad news for George Bush. And, uh, you know, don't take my word for it. Go to those websites, start plugging in the numbers yourself, and don't pay attention to these aggregate polls that say so-and-so's 46 to 44, whatever. That's not how we elect presidents. That's never how we've elected presidents. Those don't really make any sense. If you want to really see what, uh, what's likely to happen in November, uh, go to those sites. In a not, uh, not unrelated story, it appears now that polls are showing, Gallup polls and others, CNN, USA Today, are showing that for the first time, a majority of Americans now say that the U.S.-led war in Iraq was a mistake. 54% now say sending troops to Iraq was a bad idea up from 41% at the beginning of June. 55% say they don't believe the war has made the U.S. safer from terrorism. In that regard, I'd like to quote uh, briefly from Richard Cohn, who stated in the Washington Post the following. Even as our troops continue to die in Iraq with no trace of biological or chemical weapons in sight, the president insists that he was right to invade. America is safer today because we did. He keeps repeating. Perhaps Bush ought to consult with Tom Ridge, the Homeland Security Director, who warned last week that Osama bin Laden was plotting a major attack on U.S. soil before Election Day. Strange. 
For two years, while they've obsessed over Saddam Hussein, this White House has been saying it really doesn't matter if bin Laden is caught. But now the Bushies are saying that it's bin Laden himself, not just al-Qaeda, who is directing plans for another catastrophe. How's that for safer? And it might be a good, uh, a good moment to remind you that you can go to our website, www.radioparallax.com. If you'd like to hear uh, some archive shows or uh, some miscellaneous things, which we have on there for your uh, reading uh, and listening pleasure. We wondered in the past, and we will wonder again, about the possibility of an October surprise. The sudden revelation that, oh my gosh, we've captured Osama bin Laden just before the November election. And we would also like to note with some pride that, uh, you know, with a lot of agitating from people like us, people like uh, Michael Rupert, the mainstream media did pick up the story of the possible postponement of the November election in 2004. Yes, the one that's upcoming. Yes, the one that uh, potentially could eject the Bush-Cheney team from the White House. Members of Congress have now come forward to go on the record and saying they are against any postponement of the election. And apparently it raised, uh, raised the issue um, clearly enough that they figured they better take a stand on this. The public is not going to be too happy about a postponed election. All right, we've got a lot to follow on this program. Stay tuned for our second and third segments with uh, what I'm sure will be uh, entertaining talks with both Trina Ray of Pasadena's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and UC Davis's own Dr. Howard McKinney. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Come down off your throne and leave your body alone. 